Welcome to another episode of the Augmented Podcast. At Augmented, we reveal the stories behind a new era of industrial operations, where technology will restore the agility of frontline workers. Technology is changing rapidly. What's next in the digital factory and who's leading the change? In episode 80 of the podcast, the topic is the augmenting power of operational data. And our guest is Roni Kubat, CTO and co-founder of Tulip. In this conversation, we talk about how operational data can be augmented using machine intelligence coupled with human interpretation. Augmented is a podcast for industrial leaders, process engineers, and shop floor operators, hosted by futurist Trun Arne Unheim and presented by Tulip. Ronnie, good to have you on again. How are you? Good. Good to be back. Yes, I thought we'd, we'd speak pretty concretely about this challenge of operational data, which is not a small challenge. And, you know, you have some strong opinions about this. And, you know, I know that because you've worked both, you know, in sort of futurist capacities and you know, you're obviously building a product, so you understand keenly how difficult this is. Can you give me just to kick us off a little bit of a concrete example of how operational data really can augment industrial operations, you know, starting with today? A great example of this actually comes from very early on in our work with Tulip, with a customer making shoes. Now, shoe manufacturing is an interesting type of problem because it moves at very high speed in the sense of like fashion is changing all the time. You know, they're all shoes, but they're all different. The second is that it's very high mix, right? Because you have sizes, the styles, you know, gendered versions of the shoes. And so they're constantly in a process of NPI, of new product introduction at some some level. Now, making shoes has an enormous amount of variables that impact the quality for what a shoe could be. This could be the upper of the shoe. So this is sort of the, the top visible part that's then attached to the sole. The sole could be glued onto it. Um, it could be injection molded directly onto the upper. And an example kind of quality issue might be that the seam between the two of those, how well does the sole adhere to the upper? And the variables that impact that quality are enormous, right? It could be the application of the glue itself, you know, or the formulation of that glue in the mix of that day. It could be that ambient temperature within the space. It could be the amount of time that the glue is allowed to set. It could be the temperature that the glue is activated at. It could be the time it takes between when the shoe is activated and when the sole is attached together. It could be the amount of time that it spends in the system that's putting pressure against that. It could be the pressure of of that. It could be the particular mold in which some injection molding system is happening for the sole before it even gets there. There's just an enormous amount of variables that have an ultimate impact as to whether or not that sole is going to adhere well. And when you have so many variables and you have a manufacturing chain where you know, ultimately it goes down to a quality inspection station because the shoes are 100% inspected at uh, pack and ship. That is maybe a bunch of time between when an, an error is introduced or may not even become visible until much further down the line. So having operational data available, meaning effectively the history of a shoe as it goes through from which particular mold it was attached to, the sensor readings that took place there, the measurement from the QA station where they did the initial foam mix early on, 
that whole set of data that takes you all the way down to the prep to ship and quality station where you actually discover whether or not there's an issue. Being able to take multiple factors and do an analysis to help do root cause analysis to what needs to be changed in order to get higher quality can be incredibly impactful in terms of being able to get the products out to market with less rework, with less waste, with less scrap that would have been possible without that. Because before it was, it was a bit of an art. It was in the knowledge of the people that have been working at the facility for a long time, seen many, many things happen, go wrong, go right, to be able to tweak all those knobs. So it seems like I have completely underestimated shoe manufacturing, which is strange because I, I love shoes and, you know, obviously they're super important. I had no idea. And, and right. right. Exactly. No, because it would seem to me that be like, you know, the textile industry or, you know, it's like sneakers. It's how complicated could they be? Okay. So I understand that there are a lot of variables, but how does that come into play then in various approaches that are available to shoe manufacturers today? Because the machinery and the sensors that were used in, in traditional shoe manufacturing, I didn't realize that they yielded all of that data. So can you tell us a little bit about what the setup is required to capture that amount of data and what sort of techniques would be used by advanced manufacturers and, and you know, in collaboration with, uh, I'm assuming, IT integrators and startups to actually do those analyses? Interesting in this example of shoes is there's it's a mix between reasonably high level of automation and manual processes. Right. So it could be, it's one machine where you put the upper onto what's called a last, it's the fake foot. And then once you put the upper on, then it goes through process, picked up by robots, inserted onto you know, a giant turntable that has 20 something molds, and then goes to one of three different injection molding stations, and then it com comes off, right? And then there's a manual operation that follows that about trimming the flashing, doing inspection, lacing, what have you. So there are places from the automation system where you can get a bunch of data, right? You can get the sensor reading from the injection molding process. You can get a bunch. You can't get everything, right? There are manual processes in the mixing of the chemicals that happens every day that gives you information about the elasticity of the chemicals when they're, when they're put together. There are elements of that that are manual and are exterior to where that automation is happening, which may still have relevant data around it. Mm -hmm. And so you have places where you may have rich data that is potentially siloed, typically is highly siloed, that you want to correlate against information which is hard to obtain because it's either a manual process or if it's a conjunction manual plus machines, the machines may not provide the data. They may have sensors that are entirely internal to the PLC but are not set up to be shared. Hmm. And so... The power comes when you start to be able to connect these silos of, of data together and get a time series that is now of the data that's attached to the product as it goes through whatever the process is. And then being able to look at those across time and, and look at what kind of correlations you can make in order to end up with sort of an ultimate quality improvement. So in approaching that problem, then, does one look at you know, just sort of adding sensors and trying to improve the data all along the process? Or is it more a question of accept the data that you think is out there, but it is the challenge of connecting it? And then I guess my question is, you know, in terms of the machine learning approaches that then 
what are the typical approaches that are most suited for this kind of problem where there is such a discrepant sort of nature of the data that comes from different places? What are typically the methods used? Often I'm reminded in these interviews, you know, we want to be able to say that these are all, you know, enormously advanced AI methods, but it seems to me that you're sort of saying something, it is a mix, right? There are some very pedestrian things that you need to do to collect that data, but then you need to do some advanced statistical analysis on top of it. So I'm just wondering, is it just a mix of a lot of different sort of integration techniques? So it's essentially the whole analysis is itself an operational challenge. That's kind of what I'm reflecting on, on your answer here. I'd say as a, as a general approach, start with what you have in terms of the sensing and the data that's available, and then add judiciously based off of you know an innate understanding on what the, what the process is. So to go back to kind of this example, maybe the impact that ambient air temperature and humidity matters, but the person who knows that is the person who understands the material science of the foam that is being put together. Mm. Um, And so that person knows this is a data point that is worthwhile to capture because it has impact. Uh, And they know that from the chemistry that's supporting that or their experience or, or what have you. So you don't take those measurements just because maybe in machine learning, there is a a trope of the curse of dimensionality, which basically means the more dimensions that the system can can take, the more disparate any particular cluster could be. And you end up with uh, being able to find correlations where none may may really exist. Yeah, that was what I was curious about, because Roni, this must have consequences for the kinds of people who need to work on this, because in a traditional conception of, you know, let's just uh, get some people who know what they're talking about and have them consult and come in and, and solve this problem for us. It doesn't seem to me that this kind of problem is something where you can just parachute in and be, you know, very smart with PhDs in machine learning. It seems to me to be much more of a an iterative sort of integrated problem in the business. What implication does this have for the kinds of vendors and consultants and whatnot that can help on such a problem? So I think that domain level expertise is critical to getting some kind of good output from it. The question is like domain expertise plus good tools in order to do better analysis is what's going to ultimately win, right? Yeah. So to go, kind of to go back to this example of shoes, and I like it because the amount of variables which actually impact quality, I think it's universally true that it's, it's huge. It may not necessarily be visible, hmm. but it, it is in, in reality. When you have so many variables, then it just becomes, even with domain expertise, without going back to heuristics, it'll be suboptimal. I mean, the heuristics will get you someplace. Uh, They may get you to an acceptable place, but it's not going to get you to a maximum profitable space. Mm -hmm. And so that's where tools, whether it be, you know, mechanisms. So in machine learning land of things like classification, it's a classic classification type, type problem, right? right? So, and being able to be predictive about what a classification could be, or understanding the surface of these many variables that have an impact on ultimate classification, uh, mm-hmm. sort of sensitivity analysis to it. That's not something that, you know, a person can keep in their mind realistically. That's a place right. where actually the machines and the algorithms are there to augment really that expert in a sense. Mm-hmm. And even there, there's there's a spectrum, right? There, there'll be some places, 
your manufacturing machine to do uh, fusion research. That's a place where the, the expertise weighs extremely high and probably also the tools need to be extremely specific and performant for the optimization of that. And there's another end of the spectrum where you have less domain expertise required, but you know the tool can then ex be more expansive in what it can do. You gave me a lot of clues here on the augmentation part. Can you tell me more about you know, in the manufacturing settings where you have been operating with over the last few years, what are some other very tangible ways that these AI and ML technologies require a human augmentation approach as opposed to just letting these algorithms run free? I think this is a very interesting question because so very often the hype that a lot of companies are putting out there is that, oh, we got this very adv advanced approach and now we're doing unsupervised learning and classification and all these things. Why is that not always the case? And tell me a little bit more about this augmentation process in, in your mind. Because it's, it's almost counterintuitive because you, you'd want to think, right, that we are such an advanced stage now in technology that the whole idea with it is that you don't have to do this augmentation. But you seem to be saying kind of the opposite. So it's like a both and type of situation. So the human is ultimately always going to be a need to be in, in the loop to do some kind of training activities to say what's good and what is bad, right? Okay. And so and on the one hand, there always need to be in the loop. The second thing, though, is that there is a constant change that is happening within a manufacturing context. They're not static systems. They're not static because uh, materials might be changing because they're coming from a different vendor or mm -hmm. because the level of expertise of the operator who's doing the work is changed or is fatigued. Or it could be that the product itself has changed and been optimized in some, some way in order to reduce steps in, in the process. All of these factors change the context around whatever the process is, right? That whatever the model is that was was learned. So, mm -hmm. in a machine learning scenario, you need to have these models be flexible and be updated over time. And how are they getting updated? By better getting a real ground truth. And where does the ground truth come from? From people. Mm. So maybe like in a food packing type scenario. It's completely different because like an orange is an orange is an orange and like has been an orange for uh, centuries and will continue to be an orange for centuries. And so you can build the classifier to tell good oranges from bad oranges. Yeah. So in that case, the better classifier machine wise, like if you make progress on a better classifier, you know, better algorithms, better technologies in terms of the machine learning, then you would make immediate progress on that particular problem. I guess that this is kind of my second question here you know, the promise of machine learning, right? Or let's call it, you know, AIML, this whole complex of, of sort of the, of the two. What is the realistic promise of these types of technologies applied to manufacturing, given what you just said, which is, you know, for many, many problems, there is this augmentation challenge. For some other problems, there actually is a potential for, you know, once you have enormous data and you can do some sort of unsupervised. So what I'm trying to understand is, with your best judgment, what are we likely to see over the next few years as clearly a lot of smart people and a lot of good technologies are going to be applied now to manufacturing, which has never been before? What are we likely to see? Are there 
breakthroughs, really tangible breakthroughs in terms of production speed, quality, or maybe radically new production approaches that become possible for greenfields or brownfields across industries because of these new technologies or these new approaches to technologies plus augmentation. So I guess I'm trying to have you uh, reflect a little bit on the, you know, let's call it the next three to 10 years. We don't have to go far. Three to ten years is a long. That's 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 the far future. It can be very different from from now. But here's I, I think a big place of potential for the notion of AI and ML, and uh, an inkling of where where we're starting to see it. So manufacturing being extremely heterogeneous in the sense of not only the products being made, but within a factory you have many different vendors that are providing different pieces of equipment, many different uh, levels of expertise of the people that are there, experience, et cetera, and a proliferation of these silos that exist, right? Mm-hmm. Less so in, in process-based industries, so limiting ourselves more so to discrete type of uh, manufacturing. A promise comes when you can start to inform the entirety of the manufacturing process through the connection of these different systems and giving context to the analyses that that are happening. So the first place that starts to look at this at the whole that has brought uh, AI or or optimization is not particularly new, but is in scheduling, right? So scheduling is enormously challenging, still frequently very, very manual, but there has been a lot of interesting progress on algorithms that allow for fast scheduling or more optimal scheduling that have a direct impact to to bottom line. And there are systems Mm -hmm. at different levels of sophistication that that are out there. But the point is, is that those are looking at the system as a whole at some some level. If we look further future and put on like agnosticator hat, I think that we'll see classes of optimizations that can be and this could be things like suggestions that may be schedule related, maybe otherwise could be that given all these pieces, data that's coming together, that the uh, turn of a crank of a model will say a tweak in a parameter here downstream matched with another tweak in a parameter elsewhere is going to ultimately make a better product by whatever metric, uh, it's quality metric or a time to market metric uh, or an energy cost metric. Those things, you make them visible, connected, and you start to be able to take all that data and process that in some some way. That's where I predict we'll start to see more of these algorithms, AI, ML, start to have meaningful impact. So if you do keep that prognosticator hat on, what is likely then to happen to operational data? Because this is, I think what we're really talking about here is this difference between sort of data in the abstract and the fact that, you know, in in general machine learning, you know, one talks about historically big data was the idea here, because the more data, the better you could tune your algorithms. We are now here narrowing in on these situations in manufacturing where it's all about adapting the data to seems to be uh, you know a thesis about what might be happening because otherwise there could be an enormous amount of data but you don't have sort of a key to start analyzing them i guess what i'm wondering is if you look a while into the future is the amount of data itself going to sort of accelerate meaningfully in manufacturing the way it sort of has in other fields right because that's sort of how 
machine learning really got its start because suddenly there was a lot of data to apply itself on and, and some interesting findings started to emerge. Do you see that you know the influx of sensors and you know increased robotics and, and other sort of ways that can start to capture systematically data? Will this in and of itself create sort of a new playing field in factories and in industrial production? Or is there something more that's needed to capture this? You know, one would think based on sort of hype, you know, immense potential of, of, of these technologies. So being able to connect the devices, it's effort, but it can be done today, okay. for sure. And they, they are not all connected today, meaning there could be more devices and more things, and there will be. There could be more like you walk into any facility, there's, you can look around and identify immediately, oh, this thing isn't connected, that thing could be connected. But yep. what, I guess what I mean is that there's no uh, technical barrier that's pre really preventing that connection from happening in some ways. It's not a new paradigm that needs to be invented just to collect the data, right? right. And then turn it through some, some crank that to do an analysis. What I think is missing, or I haven't seen it, is a connection to giving a semantic meaning around that data, which is informing a value or decision-making process or the algorithm in some way. So to give you an example, uh, and I'm making this up a bit, but let's say there's some, some process for which uh, temperature reading is a critical variable in what that process is. Right. And if the temperature is higher here, then it needs to be lower there and the inverse. Right. So somehow these things need to be balanced in order for the process to be good. Now, just the sensor reading gives you some information for sure. But if you now know that this sensor reading in the upstream side, oh, that's attached to a two ton block of steel and it's going to take you half a day to warm it up to the appropriate temperature versus this other one, which is like a hot air blower then it changes the weighting or stuff, the semantics around what is what is the meaning behind the single temperature reading can be hugely influential on the optimization process and what the algorithm cranks out. Because the algorithm might won't know just two numbers, give you some crazy readings that doesn't, doesn't incorporate all of that. The same thing is true for what is a metric of quality. You know, look at a, a drawing for a part that needs to get, get made. And the mechanical engineer, manufacturing engineer who's designed that part, puts tolerances in on purpose. Some tolerances have to be tight because those are critical that's a critical dimension. Some can be loose because they're they're not. There's a semantics that are attached into the design of that of that process. And when you look at collecting all this data from all the different machines, all the different sensors that exist within a facility to try to do some larger optimization around it, these things matter. The semantics around all of this start to, to matter all, all the more so in order to get an answer that is actually helpful to you because you want a semantically meaningful help. And how do you make progress on that, Roni? Is that sort of a lack of standardization? Industry ecosystems uh, need to talk more together and agree what terminology means? Or is it actually a technical challenge where you have to develop a whole new semantic vocabulary for manufacturing? Are, we, are you sort of saying that that vocabulary doesn't exist and then thus the technologies you know, won't make the, the amount of progress until we have the vocabulary? I'm just trying to understand you know, you're the CTO of a company that uh, explores things in this space. What what are the tough technical challenges that companies like yours necessarily will be facing in the coming years to remedy these sort of, I guess, technical challenges? I'm sure there are people who are going to fight me on this, but uh, at the low at the low level on kind of the sensors and the protocols for the the sensors, there's 
usually very, very little information that's given or none about what the semantics of that is. Right. There are some protocols of this, of, you know, standard protocols and like that may have uh, one bit of sensor value that says like, is this uh, likely a valid sensor reading or is there some internal error <laughs> or the like? But yep. the meaning for that is always pushed further down downstream to whatever system is collecting, it. and usually even further down to, you know, the semantics ultimately can be captured in some visualization. Right, or as like a graph, like why do you choose this particular graph? I chose it as a manufacturing engineer because I know I I'm applying the semantics in the design of the graph. So there lacks a lower level embedding of some of the semantics around here that can be useful. And I think that if that was more so a first class citizen for every piece of equipment. Imagine every sensor that you plug in, somehow baked into the sensor reading is just some metadata about what's the importance of the sensor and what are the relationships between what's happening here and something else. If those were there, then any algorithm that comes in to turn the crank on wherever that data is can make use of, in a dramatic fashion, that semantic metadata that's atta- that comes in with it. As we're rounding up, Roni, it just strikes me that in this, maybe I'm just only seeing the forest for trees or, or the opposite way around, but it strikes to me that semantics is essentially an augmentation point too. It has to do with embedding data and methods with a sufficient amount of meaning that it can be intelligible, both for humans and machines. So essentially, adding metadata is a form of augmentation. Would you agree? It's, a, it's a, an augmentation sure. strategy. Manufacturing is so complex because it's so heterogeneous, that's where you have to have a human in the loop for it. Right. You can't treat it as a black box. Fascinating stuff. Roni, I, I, thanks a lot. This clarifies a lot for me about where the challenges are in this space. And I think it's uh, kind of elucidating, and I guess a little bit revealing also about some of the hype that's out there that sort of just talks about this random application of it seems, you know, better and better algorithms as if, you know, a couple of PhDs will just apply their smarts and it's all going to be solved. But it seems to me it's a more of a combinatory challenge. It's devices, it's approaches, it's people, it's manufacturing, talking together. It's, but it's equipping these devices and approaches with, with, with more meaning. Very interesting. You have just listened to episode 80 of the Augmented Podcast with host Trondarne Unheim. And the topic was the augmenting power of our operational data. Our guest was Roni Kubat, CTO and co-founder of Tulip. In this conversation, we talked about how operational data can be augmented using machine intelligence coupled with human interpretation. My takeaway is that the power of capturing both manual and machine processes in manufacturing comes when you start to be able to connect silos of shop shop floor data together and get a time series of the data attached to the product. That's not necessarily easy to do, But when you achieve it, you have a great starting point for true understanding of your manufacturing process. Thanks for listening. If you liked the show, subscribe at augmentedpodcast.co or in your preferred podcast player and rate us with five stars. If you liked this episode, you might also like episode 81 from Predictive to Diagnostic Manufacturing Augmentation, and you can find it at augmentedpodcast.co slash 81. Hopefully you'll find something awesome in these or in other episodes. And please, if you do, let us know by messaging us. We would love to share your thoughts with other listeners. The Augmented Podcast is created in association with Tulip. 
the frontline operations platform that connects the people, machines, devices, and the systems used in a production or logistics process in a physical location. Tulip is democratizing technology and is empowering those closest to operations to solve problems. Tulip is also hiring. You can find Tulip at tulip.co. Please share this show with colleagues who care about where industry and especially where industrial tech is heading. And to find us on social media is easy. We are Augmented Pod on LinkedIn and Twitter and Augmented Podcast on Facebook and YouTube. Augmented, industrial conversations that matter. See you next time.